Tales of the Cocktail, the spirits industry confab that has celebrated cocktails and New Orleans for over 20 years, continues to adapt as the industry changes. We discuss this, the past and the future, with Eileen Wainer, CEO. It's on tip of the tongue. Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with Eileen Wainer. Eileen is CEO of Tales of the Cocktail Foundation. She has experience in managing events with nonprofits, and she brings her diverse experience to Tales in New Orleans every year. Welcome, Eileen. Well, thank you very much, Liz. I'm very happy to be here. So tell me how you came to work at Tails. <laughs> I have kind of an all roads lead to New Orleans kind of uh, beginning to my career at Tails. My husband took a position at the Ogden Museum of Southern Art. And mm-hmm. so that was originally what brought us to New Orleans. And so we moved from Baltimore, where I was running the events program, the private events program for Johns Hopkins University, and took, you know, took a couple months off and was thinking I might just take a couple months off and figure out what's going on in New Orleans and how to plug into hospitality and tourism. And um, that was a very short-lived break because I was introduced to the Solomons through Chris's extended network at the Ogden Museum. And Jenny and Caroline, who were at the helm at the time, and uh, they they stagged me. They were my my background varies from supporting large public festivals and events through the Smithsonian to doing private events with a large uh, firm called Linder Global Events, where you know I did the Cherry Blossom Festival. I took a C suite around the world for their uh, leadership retreats. And really everything in between galas, public events, et cetera. And so as I was getting settled into New Orleans, they're like, I think we can put your skills uh, to use. And I thought, hey, I mean, if you're going to plug in to New Orleans, where better than, you know, at the heart of the drinks industry and tales of the cocktail. And so I, I was smitten at once with the mission and with the small, lean, mean team and just really got to work straight away. And so... How have you felt that um, being CEO and being part of the planning and the whole foundation, how how have you felt that you've been able to put your mark on it? Yeah, I, think, um, I think for me, what, what I bring is really a focus on nonprofit management, a focus on guest experience and raising the sort of profile and quality of events. And I have a ton of experience working with stakeholder groups. And I think one of the coolest parts that, you know, the early leadership team built with Tails is immediately setting forth to connect with the various stakeholders and establishing our education committee, our grants committee, um, really expanding our leadership team with the Spirited Awards Committee, and then, of course, our Cocktail Apprentice Program. 
And so being able to to build on that and organize that. And really when we started, we as an organization had like six or seven people. I mean, it was a very small team. And so I came in and helped sort of build the infrastructure for the organization so that we could begin to scale, um, to, to grow and support the industry. And so I think my mark has um, certainly been through, you know, foundational structure and really elevating the the quality, I think, in the, in the profile of, of the event over the last couple of years. And then, of course, like everybody, we had the blip of COVID in the middle of that, of where course. we had to create digital programming, which we were able to do and really engage with our international audience in a way that we truly hadn't been able to do before. So it's been a journey. Yeah, <laughs> I understand really establishing a, an infrastructure. I think if you don't have that infrastructure, you really almost can't get anything done. I mean, that's certainly true about the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. Without an infrastructure, it just is, it just can't work. Yeah, for sure. Truly, truly. And, and you know, we had, we were so fortunate and continue to be. Uh, many of the original team when the foundation took ownership are still with us. And they're an incredible group of women who just pour their heart and they're just passion into this work. And so fueling them and their professional growth and putting them in positions where they can really lead is, is personally been something that I've been very proud to do. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I have been really impressed with has been the incorporation of non-alcoholic spirits in uh, into oh. Tales of the Cocktail. So how did that s- sort of come about? Well, when the foundation shifted in, into our ownership in 2018, one of the first programs that we launched was a program called Beyond the Bar, which really focuses on mental health, you know, substance use, um, all the all the myriad of issues that individuals face in this industry, uh, and focusing on resources and options within that space to support them. And so through those conversations, you know, where we, of course, had um, AA meetings at Tales, we introduced a space where we could really explore non-alcoholic spirits and um, session drinking, or there's a, there's a lot of different names for, you know, how you, how you imbibe non-alcoholic spirits, uh, but really creating a, a space and some options for, for individuals that don't want to partake. And, you know, I think one of the things that's been really exciting uh, that we certainly can't take credit for, but I think Tails was one of the early early champions for, is is creating a space in the landscape of the drinks industry for, for non-alcoholic spirits. And so, you know, in 2018, 2019, there were a smattering of non-alcoholic spirits. And I will say over the last two years, certainly and growing, um, there's been such a desire and such an interest. And really, I think as the generational sort of shift happens uh, within the industry and within our society, there's just so much interest in creating really beautiful cocktails that don't have to incorporate alcohol spirits. And so I think for me, that, that was a really important priority for us to place that tails alongside the spirits that exist in the, you know, the, the traditional categories. It's also interesting going to a bar and having non-alcoholic spirits, I think today you can do it a lot more easily. Um, 
You can order something by brand name instead of having to say, I want a mocktail or something like that. I mean, I think it's definitely changed from what it used to be. And it allows for the conviviality and the Mm -hmm. social interaction and culture of the bar to continue without necessarily making everybody have to have alcohol. I I agree. And I think there's even, you know, many brands uh, that are in in the non-alc space really want to do away with the term mocktail, right? Because it it seems to denote something that's less than, right? And you can have a beautiful drink, like a super complex, absolutely delectable, you know, cocktail that doesn't have an alcoholic spirit in it. And I think, uh, you know, part of what Tales does is we, you know, we present seminars as part of our programming. And, you know, early on, I I recall in 2019, and certainly in 2022, uh, we had a lot of conversations around how to, you know, effectively and efficiently introduce non-elk spirits to your menu. How do you list it? Where does it go? You put it in the front of the menu, just put it back in the menu. What are keywords that you need to incorporate? What are price points that make sense? You know, for a curious consumer that doesn't know much about it yet, but is interested. And so I think it's been a really impressive and really rapid um, evolution. And I think a really important addition to the the drink space. Yes, I I agree. And especially for people who want to have that drink in their hand, because Mm -hmm. there's something about that, that actual holding of the drink that uh, I think makes it important especially if you if you can't have alcohol or you don't want to have alcohol and you don't want to call attention to it because I think that that sometimes has been really difficult uh, because it's not very inclusive if you're the one not drinking so to speak yeah I mean I think you know bars are community spaces and we as human beings like to gather and you know any obstacle that you know whether it's perceived or actual that like inhibits that experience, you know, is, is important to address. And I think this is a really important evolution of, you know, human beings, especially, you know, I I have conversations with Claire Warner, who's on our board, and she speaks a lot about how, uh, you know, we talk to the aging portion of our population, and how there's this epidemic of loneliness. And if only we could just sort of utilize these bars and restaurant spaces in a better way to, you know, really regroup as society and fold people back in and provide non-alc or alc options and just, you know, acknowledge that, you know, pubs and bars were public houses, right? This was always where we, as, as humans, gather and tell stories. And so if, is there a way we can continue to explore that and, and make that a more inclusive space for everyone? Yes. You know, I wrote a book called Lift Your Spirits that's all about Mm -hmm. why we have a drinking culture in New Orleans. And there's just, it's just been the basis of everything for a very long time. True, it's true. It's not unusual to think that we should be exploring all of these things in New Orleans because we always did. Do you think that There'll be a time when you'll, at Tales, be also bringing in, say, a section about coffee or about other things, because basically a coffee house, which is the translation of cafe, mm-hmm. is a place where really that was a that's where you drank coffee. Now you could also get a brandy, you could get all these other things, but 
it was driven by the fact that coffee was such a new and um, interesting drink to have. Uh, and it came along with all of those people who said, oh, you know, women can't drink coffee because it turns them into um, hedonists and, you know, all these other things that people used to say. But um, assuming that we have gotten past that part of it, do you think that Tales will be exploring other things, you know, once it's opened up non-alcoholic, does it, is it going to spill over into, into other things that you drink? It's an interesting question. I mean, I think we are tales of the cocktail. So obviously at the, at the core of, of how we explore the drinks industry is through the lens of uh, craft cocktail. But I do think that, you know, as we're expanding our repertoire of how we explore flavors and profiles, I do think that other ingredients, other sort of parallels, wine, beer, coffee, others are, are definitely ripe to, to participate in this industry. I was in Singapore. We did an event with the Singapore Tourism Board, and I was there in May, and, you know, we were uh, with the SG Club and Shingo Gokan, and he did, his team was doing just the most remarkable, interesting cocktails with wine and very low proof, you know, so I, I, I think to your point, there's just, there's an absolute variety and infinite ways to experiment in this industry that is, is just phenomenal. And I think as we evolve as an industry, I think you're going to see us, you know, in the same vein or presented an interest grow in the same way that, you know, in, individuals cared about chefs and cooking. And I think we're, we're, we're at a cusp where I think there's just such an interest in how do you build flavor profiles within your drink? How does that accompany food? But I think we're in a really interesting place that I think this industry is going to, you know, really spark the interest of the, the, the public and, and consumers interest in like, oh, is that what I'm drinking or what, what am I tasting here? Or wow, you know, certainly know how to pair wine with food, but hadn't really thought about pairing a cocktail with, you know, a course. And I think there's a really interesting opportunity to just explore ingredients at large through that, through that vein. So magazines like Imbibe have started to bring in marijuana into the mix. Do you think you're going to be doing that? Interesting. You know, we we have we have Tess Posthumus who resides in Amsterdam, and she has written many cocktail cookbook cookbooks. Or, I'm sorry, co cocktail books. Forgive me. Sorry, <laughs> Tess. How to you know how to effectively use THC in cocktails? And so I think for us in the U.S., what I've been what I've been reading about and certainly been notified about is is the sort of danger at this point of in, incorporating both alcohol and THC in the same cocktail. And so I think this space is certainly also, you know, a place similar to other ingredients that is really, you know, really at the, the cusp of, of being something that people are interested in. I think, you know, on the distillery level, on the producer level in the States, there's a lot of roadblocks currently for making this mainstream. But I certainly think there's a ton of interest on the consumer side. And I definitely think on the bartender side on like, okay, how do we do this? The challenge is like making sure that, you know, the potency can be administered in a way that's measurable, in a way that can be done safely, 
that I, I don't think that, you know, bars and bartenders are quite, feel quite confident that they can deliver a consistent product that is safe. And so while I think this is definitely on the horizon, I'm not sure if it's like a five year or 10 year or two year, it just sort of depends on how we can get it to a point where everyone feels comfortable that like, hey, Liz, Eileen, in your cocktail, this is the, you know, this is the the potency, this is how it mixes in a way that like can be consistently delivered. I think the same problem exists with edibles because there's just no way to know how and much. everyone's personal, yeah, and everyone's personal sort of, um, you know, reaction is different. Right. Definitely not an expert in that space, but I definitely know that, you know, there's a lot of interest um, in the cocktail industry side of things. And there are other markets a la, you know, Amsterdam who've been doing this for a long time, really effectively. Uh, we just, I don't think we've quite caught up there yet. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I want to sort of change our focus a little bit right now and, and talk about women in the industry. So since the Me Too movement and all of that, we've sort of seen a kind of maybe more attention paid to the role of women, the position that they have in various industries. Certainly the food and drink industry is where I'm thinking of right now, but there's a lot of disparity in terms of numbers. If you just look at the, at the numbers in terms of the women who not only work in the industry, but who have ownership in the industry. So, mm-hmm. What um what are you doing at Tails to to kind of deal with some of those issues? Yeah, I I think for us early on uh, we had Dame Hall of Fame, which sort of acted as our space to certainly honor women in this industry, to tell their stories, to build community and network in that space. That has since evolved into our Catalyst Luncheon, which we debuted this year, which certainly continues to celebrate and showcase women, but broadens it to really being more inclusive of, of individuals that really are shaping the industry through their hard work and building um, an industry that's more equitable, period, um, and not necessarily focused on gender specifically, but individuals that have not typically been supported or championed and have largely been marginalized within our industry, which is reflective of our broader society, of course. I think we we create channels through all of our education to make sure that uh, education at Tales uh, certainly consistently incorporates women's voices. I think for us within our Beyond the Bar space, this is a conversation that we have all the time. I think this year, especially, I heard a lot about families and in this industry and how how we, you know, as an industry, really need to look at, uh, of course there continues to be issues with access to healthcare, access to paid leave period. But I think that certainly burdens uh, women even more so in families that have children. And so I think for us, we continue, we, we leverage our platform as a place to host these conversations, to continue to try and elevate leaders that are making impacts in their their communities to make sure that you know, we continue to highlight as, as much as we can as the sort of global drinks platform for this industry, the issues that are um, resonating and certainly the individuals that are creating opportunities. 
We also have our grants program where we actually fund individuals and organizations that are, are doing good work in their communities to support. And so this is definitely something that is an issue certainly within society at large, but is certainly reflective in, you know, in the drinks and hospitality sector period. And so we we continue to try and champion and highlight and showcase those folks that are doing incredible work. And I think women have been fighting for for a place at that table from the beginning. And I think, you know, we we honored two incredible women this year, Anastasia Miller and Tara Fogner, who I mean have been fighting for their respective communities. Uh, and and I think they're individuals that are going to continue to push the foundation to think bigger and broader and provoke us in all the right ways. And and, and I love that. I, I want to be provoked. I think that's important for us. <laughs> Speaking of pro- provocation, what kind of things are you looking forward to in the future? I mean, I realize that, you know, you can't speculate on things like uh, THC and where that's going, but you've got to be making plans for next year and the year after that. Mm-hmm. So what what kind of things do you see on the horizon? What should we be looking for? And also, what do you use? How do you use the data that you gather each year in terms of going in that direction in the future so that you see what where the interest is? Sure, yeah. Maybe I'll take your second point first and build okay. into the, the first, first point. point. But I think one of the, one of the things that we've been able to effectively do, and I remind myself this and our team this all the time, is you know we're a young organization. We're only five years old, and two of those years were COVID, right? And so our our data pool is limited but growing. Um, but we've been really spending some time um, looking at the analytics from who's attending and why, and also what you may or may not know is our education that's put on each year. Is, is effectively sourced from the in, from the industry. We, we do an open call for education, seminar proposals, and then we work with our education committee, which is you know a global panel of experts of like 30 people from literally around the world of all different roles within the industry, bartender, brand ambassador, bar owner, and really every writers, everything in between. And so we've been able to look at you know what that what what those sort of submissions indicate over time, right? So in 20, you know, 19, certainly tequila was was coming up in the market, you know, and then we're looking at 2022, what are our trends telling us? What are what are people interested in now that we will then see really hit the market in a year or two, right? And so I think we in many ways get to be the canary in the coal mine of like, hey, this is coming because bar, you know, bartenders are really interested in this. You know, these are the topics that they both submitted and also attended and gave us really good feedback on. And so I think for us, as we as we get better as a young organization at forecasting what those trends are and maybe creating a little bit more white paper, academic, research-based work that draws from our brands, that draws from our qualitative data of our, you know, the folks that are attending and really outwardly projects some of those trends a little bit more proactively. So that's something that we're already working on that I'm very excited about. One of the other things that I, you know, that is a little maybe didactic within our industry that I'm interested in is making sure that the connection between brands and bartenders continues to be really productive 
And so we we launched our keynote this year with uh, one of our board members moderating to host a conversation around how does that how does that relationship continue to to evolve? What are the career opportunities and growth opportunities for bartenders within this industry? How do we make sure that we're moving in the direction of a respected career? And so to me, that is something that's we're super passionate about and want, you know, want everybody to sit around the holiday dinner table and when you're asked what you do and you say you work in the drinks industry or you're a bartender, you know, the 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 first question you're asked is like, oh, tell me about the bar menu you're designed. What flavors are you excited about? What spirits are you excited about? Instead of some of the, you know, uh, some of the comments or questions that people get now around like, is this a secondary uh, career for you or you're working your way through school and other things that I think diminish in many ways. <laughs> exactly, you know? And, and so I think that continues to be something that we're excited about in our cocktail apprentice program really is like this career building um, program that is a fundamental and super important to what we do. And then I think, um, you know, to the future, future, I think, you know, one of the things the foundation introduced this year is our intention to work in parallel paths, separate, but parallel to the foundation on, you know, creating programming that engages with consumers so that consumers get more informed, more interested in, you know, the conversation we were having earlier about, you know, how do you plug in or how do you build your interest in the drinks industry and in cocktails? Where can you experience those things so that, you know, the foundation is sort of doing can, can be the sort of clearinghouse, if you will, on, you know, all things in the drinks industry for the consumer. And I think we're, we're in a really unique place to do that. Um, and so that's something that we're, we're exploring also. And then, you know, lastly, I think just continuing to build our global community and building depth and connection within our, our global community. This year, we, we worked with the Singapore Tourism Board. I think any sort of collaborations and juxtapositions of very different techniques where we can share ideas and you know, build community is something that I always want to be on the lookout for. So just that, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, an, we're an ambitious little foundation, <laughs> if nothing else. And and you really do do a lot for the city of New Orleans, too. So I think that is worth you giving us a few words about. Yeah, thank you. You know, we're New Orleans is is the main character, if you will, in Tales of Story, right? We 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 gather global drinks professionals in New Orleans each year because of New Orleans, right? We are a a capital city for hospitality and people seek us out to learn from what we do here. And I think that is so special and it's something that, you know, I always try and talk about uh, when we talk about why why is why is Tales in July in New Orleans? It's 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 for that. And it's also because we know that July is a really tough time for our industry. Um, and so, you know, we specifically want to inject where we can, you know, dollars into the hospitality industry during a very slow time. And, you know, in 2022, we had about a $22 million impact, economic impact in New Orleans, which is massive. And, you know, we work with UNO and towards the end of the year, we'll be issuing our report for 2023 to see what our impact is. But I suspect it's more because our 
our attendeeship grew from 2022 to 2023 by around 15%. And that means brands continue to invest in New Orleans. That means, you know, nights in hotels. It means restaurants. And it's it's just critically important. And so that that has to be and, you know, maintains um, why we, we are in New Orleans and, and want to continue to champion what we do here. So I want to ask you if there's if there's a way that you've, whether it's a formula or is it like different every year or whatever, how you balance the, the, the needs. And I'm talking about specifically in tails, not, you know, in general in the whole world, but at <laughs> tails, how do you balance the needs of the industry, mm -hmm. the needs of the bartenders and the needs of the public? in terms of crafting and putting together a successful or event? You know, it's a very healthy friction, I would say. <laughs> you know, we we really have been so fortunate um, and, you know, I give major kudos and shout out to the original, you know, founding leadership team who truly knew the value and importance of connecting and establishing these committees that are, are truly our, our stakeholders in questioning, you know, what are we putting, you know, in our education? What types of programming are we engaging in? How are we connecting with the, with the community? How do we make sure at the very center of our mission in all the concentric circles is the bartender? And how do we make sure that we're, we're targeting and building programming for the bartender that then if you, as you pull backwards, you see the sort of broader communities and, you know, whether that's bar owners or brands that service those, that service regions, that service states, nationally, internationally. And so we try, to the extent that we're able, to be very focused on the bartender at the center of it and really build programming around that. And we've got our stakeholder groups, Cocktail Apprentice, Spirited Awards, excuse me, Education, Grants and Philanthropy, to really you know, pressure test and, you know, ask us the hard questions around how does this, how does this serve the bartender? Because if we can't answer that question, then we're not, we're not doing that program, right? And so it is a balance. And obviously, you know, we're a nonprofit and we, you know, we are funded in large part, you know, by our, our brand partners. And so we, of course, you know, dictate the programming and they fund and support it. Uh, but there's always a balance and there's always optics around that too, right? Like that is the challenge of of being a nonprofit, as you well know. <laughs> and so making sure, making sure that we're really transparent, that we're really forthcoming, that we talk about what we're doing, that we, you know, ho host open forums and town halls where possible to get feedback. Uh, I think that's been, you know, we 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 service the whole industry and that in some ways gives us a lot of leeway and in some ways, you know, puts us on a pedestal that we have to truly maintain that sort of neutrality around. And so it's definitely a push and pull, but I think as long as we stay laser focused on the bartender at the core of what we do and remain really open to the networks that we built around us, then I think we can continue to do it. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Eileen. This has been a really fascinating conversation. <laughs> thank and, you, uh, I hope that we hit on some of the important things that uh, that really 
stem from what TAILS does every year. So thanks so much. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, a part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. Subscribe to this and other food and drink related podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to keep up with me, Liz Williams, you can subscribe to my Substack newsletter, also called Tip of the Tongue, for more information about this podcast, recipes, and just what is going on. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.